All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. A win's a win, right? Right? We're all happy with that, right? Let's get into it with the lead. Our guy Frank Saravalli is going to be stopping by in a little bit. The Oilers got a big win back in the W column. We're coming to you live from the Sports Closet studio. You can check them out online, sportscloset.ca. Reverse retro gear, they got it. Those blue jerseys the Oilers were wearing last night, the classic blues, the royal blues, they got that too. Everything you need, sportscloset.ca. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day. We are streaming live on the Nation Network YouTube where our guy Rusty has the first comment of the day. Random thoughts about the first 20 games of 2023. And our guy Rusty came prepared with the stats. The Oilers are 11-3-6, which is a 700 points percentage. Not bad. I mean, not just not bad. I'd say that's really damn good. They are plus 16 in those games and are outshooting their opponents 711 to 612. They're also 51% in the faceoff dot. Have scored six shorthanded goals. One of them was the empty netter from McDavid last night. He says it sucks losing an OT or shootout, but I think this team is going to win the Pacific Division. Yes, it was a win for the Oilers last night, an important two points to get as they head into a stretch of their season that's or where the schedule is just going to get more and more difficult. And what helped the Oilers is that the out-of-town scoreboard broke their way as well. We're going to talk about the standings and where the Oilers sit right now. We're going to talk trades with Frank Saravalli coming up in about 15 minutes time as well. We're going to talk about, well, whatever you guys want to talk about by dropping your comments in the Nation Network YouTube chat. I'll answer your questions. Maybe you got some questions for Frank Saravalli. 
could float those his way as well. A lot to get to today on the show. Let's bring in my good pal, Liam Horbin, though. Liam, did you manage to stay awake through that entire game last night? Because when the Oilers only got like 10 shots through two periods, I would imagine a lot of people watching at home were like, yeah, snooze. There was a... There was definitely a point in the game where I zoned out for a while and then came back to it and I was, oh, wow. Well, there's finally have 10 shots in the game and that was with like two minutes left in the second period. So it was definitely a snooze fest and the Oilers played to the way Philadelphia wanted it to be. But boys came alive in the third period and managed to come away with the two points. So like you said, then they got the win. So that's what matters the most. Yep. And I think that is uh, that's totally fair. And I don't want to be, we'll get into my three big things in just a second as you take a look at the scoring breakdown here in this hockey game. Still, what kind of stands out to me is that they didn't get a lot of rubber on Carter Hart. I'm going to try be positive for my three big things, though. And our three big things are brought to you by AMA Travel. Two more spots on the nation vacation to Toronto. It is bougie. It's going to be a lot of fun. Two nights at the Fairmont Royal York. We are almost sold out. You're going to be watching Edmonton and Toronto at the Scotiabank Arena from a gondola suite with your food included. Transportation to and from the hotel in Toronto is included. Your flights to and from Toronto are included. We leave on Friday morning. We come back on Sunday afternoon. You barely got to take any time off work. Two more spots on the trip. Hop in nationgear.ca. Shout out to AMA Travel. Uh, Also, while you're on nationgear.ca, our 15th anniversary, our 15th birthday, whatever we're calling it. It's up now. You can get your tickets, $20.07. Let's start number one for me and my three big things, Liam. Earlier in the week, I I was hard on the goaltending in terms of Jack Campbell's performance. And I said, "You, you need a stop. At some point, you need a stop. Last night, they got the stop. Stuart Skinner was really good in that hockey game. And when it was two and this game was still in the balance, he went and made this just really, really good save. And I get what some of you might say. Well, Jack Campbell made some big saves late too. Stuart Skinner gave up a weak one last night. He should have stopped that first one. Yeah, he should have, but he didn't give up four or five goals in that hockey game. He made big saves. He made most of the saves he was supposed to. Did he give up a weak one? Sure, but he only gave up one other one. If you would have given up a weak one and four other ones, it's a different conversation, but that didn't happen. Stuart Skinner made the saves the Oilers needed. Stuart Skinner was five for five on the penalty kill as well. This guy was legit last night. This guy is their starter. You should absolutely be thrilled with what you saw from him. I hope this is Stuart Skinner getting his game back on track. Yeah, I'm with you, Tyler, and everything you said. I think you look at the goals the Oilers allowed to. Obviously, the first one was a weak one from Skinner, but also yep. probably just a weak defensive play from Drysaddle behind the net there, too. Like, you got to get in on that guy a little bit, try and prevent him. The ref got in the way, so maybe a benefit of the doubt there. Second one, absolute grenade from Cody Cece to Philip Broberg, which mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone could have handled that. So just a couple of errors from the actual team themselves, which led to goals. So yeah, Skinner, like you said, make that big, big save with 10 minutes to go as the others kind of just got back into the game too. So I was very happy with Skinner's performance tonight, and I've never really left the train of him being the Oilers' number one goaltender. I think yeah. he's earned that spot throughout what he's done all season. He was an all-star for a reason. Stuart Skinner's save percentage on the season is now a 913. That is tied for 14th in the NHL. He's been rock solid for the bulk of the year, dipped a little bit in January, but I like to think that Stuart Skinner is finding his game. The big man between the pipes was our big thing. Number one, number two, how could it not be? Well, the guy who ended up taking over that hockey game, it's Connor McDavid. Nine shots on goal, picks up his 800th point, scores a couple late, including an empty netter and that goal to give them the lead. 
Connor McDavid was incredible last night. That was vintage 97. That is why you pay that guy $12.5 million. That is why he's going to win the Hart Trophy this year. McDavid was electric. He was electric on the goals. He was electric even on the plays he didn't score. Like this ridiculous through-the-leg spinorama at the top of the blue line. If you turn this over, it's probably a breakaway the other way. No, <laughs> slip right in between two defenders. Absolutely nasty stuff from McDavid. And this play shows the kind of zone he was in last night. He could have had four or five goals. He was all over the ice. And when they needed him most in the third period, he said, hop on, boys. I'll carry this team on my back. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he was absolutely insane last night. He kind of reminded me a little bit of playoff McDavid, where he just kind of took yeah. his game to another level, especially in the third period. Like the boys needed that win last night, and McDavid wasn't going to allow it to go any other way. So, like you said, like he's the best player in the world, and he shows it on a nightly basis. But last night, he showed it in just such a massive way. And that goal we just saw there, like it was a bit of a greasy one. You got the bounce that you needed, but finally, the Oilers got the bounce they needed. And thankfully, it came from number 97 himself, who snapped, what, a four-game skid of no goals, which is just kind of whack to think that, like, that's, like, a big streak for him. You know what I mean? So I'm glad uh, I'm glad we saw the best of Connor McDavid yesterday. Yeah, we really did. And the Oilers needed it. We talked about McDavid a little bit yesterday on the show and said, hey, it's been a weird stretch. First time all year, he's gone four straight games without a goal while well, he pops home two, has a three-point night, which for McDavid is his first three-point night in five games. You know, that hasn't happened a lot this year either. He's been rattling off three-point games with some sort of regularity. So Connor McDavid was unreal. I also think this, hopefully, for my sake, because I'm someone who bet on this to happen and put my money on the line, Connor McDavid back in the lead in the Rocket Richard now three goals clear of David Pasternak. So hopefully this fuels McDavid to start firing a few more home because Liam, remember early in the year, we were talking about Connor McDavid maybe being a guy who could hit the 70 goal mark, like forget the mm -hmm. 60 goal mark. It's probably going to be tight for him to get 60 now. I'm just doing the math on what he's on pace for. Um, yeah, he he's going to need to get going. He's on pace right now for another 18 this year. So he he should get there, but he's been slowing a bit. Do you still think McDavid will get 60? I'm I'm not going to doubt him. I'm going to say, yeah, I feel like if it gets close with a few games left, maybe he'll just kind of turn it up another notch and try and get yeah. there. That's kind of how I think it might go. It might come down to the wire, but he says he doesn't look at the stats, but we all know they all look at the stats. They know what they're trying to achieve. So hopefully 60 was a goal at the start of the season for McDavid, and he can push for it because it would be fantastic to see him get there. Yeah, 60 goals would be great on pace for 62 and just an unbelievable performance last night from the Oilers captain. Speaking of good performances, I thought the Oilers depth players actually played pretty well. Again, there was mm -hmm. some stuff to not like in this hockey game, but the three best shot four percentages last night at five on five. Derek Ryan was the best on the team. Hyman was second best. And Liam, your boy, Devin Shore was up there. He drew a big four minute penalty. It's nice yep. that Devin Shore is a little bit of a bleeder. He got the jacket after the game. And I actually thought he was one of their best skating bottom six players yesterday. He played really well. And again, you're not penciling this guy into the lineup for the rest of the season or anything like that. But I thought when called upon, he gave the Oilers very good minutes last night. So did a guy like Derek Ryan. I thought Warren Fogle had a pretty good game. I thought Ryan McLeod was doing a lot of good stuff. The results maybe weren't there in terms of goals yesterday. We know Connor McDavid in the power play had to carry the bulk of the offense, but I actually think the bottom six gave them some solid, meaningful minutes yesterday. 
I think another player to throw in there too is Paul Yavi when he was on that line with Shaw and Ryan. I, I thought the three of them, especially in the third period, really did a good job of cycling the park and just keeping it in the Philadelphia zone for a while and give, tiring them out a little bit. So, yeah, I think credit to the bottom six for just kind of showing up, especially on a shorthanded lineup. And I guess on Devin Shaw, like, it kind of shows that, like, if you're willing to go down to the American League and be, like, a bit of a team player and you can get your mojo back, then you can come back to the NHL and cause an impact. And by no means is Devin Shaw going to go out there every night and <laughs> grab points like he does in the American League. But if you can have yeah. some kind of positive influence on the game, then – what more can you really ask for? Like, if you look at the start of the season, like, man, he was struggling to get much going. Like, arguably the worst forward on the team, to be fair. And now you come into it and it's like, this guy is is playing very well. Got that assist against Colorado. Was able to draw that penalty yesterday, like you said, because he's, like, in the area. And there's also that picture of him, like, protecting the buck on the boards. And it looks like there's almost like a force field around him because nobody wants to touch him. And that's just a Devon score effect, I guess. Sure. Uh, Guitar Maniac says, I'm a Devin Shore hater, but he might have had his best two games back to back. He created the best chances mm-hmm. for the Oilers five on five in the first and second period. Yeah, they were not good early on if Devin Shore is the guy creating the chances, but I still give him credit for the way he played. And hopefully this is a sign that more pieces in that bottom six are going to keep rolling as well. Uh, Maynard, Maynard Nugent Spivey. What a name. McLeod won a huge face off late. Yeah, he did. So Again, in the dot, McLeod was solid. I thought he was moving his feet pretty well. Island Tony brings up a point. Pugliarvi still fumbled a chance after last night. Yeah, there was the odd man rush that looked like it was going right on Pugliarvi's tape, and it fell off. And there was another one where Evan Bouchard had a clear look at the net. He fumbled the puck. The Oilers had to bear down way better last night. They passed mm-hmm. up too many good opportunities, or I should say fumbled too many good opportunities, and passed up too many what I would call B-level opportunities, situations where it's like, man, just throw the puck on net. And they didn't do that at all. The stats reflect it, obviously, because in the first period at five on five, they had four shots on goal. In the second period at five on five, they had four shots on goal. You cannot go 40 minutes against a team as bad as the Philadelphia Flyers and only average a shot every five minutes. That's brutal, especially when you consider who is between the pipes. You knew you weren't going to beat Carter Hart enough to win if you're only throwing four shots in the first and four shots in the second, thankfully, they woke up a little bit in the third and put 12 shots on net. But still, I just, I didn't love the idea. I didn't love the the, the stat line of 4-4. I didn't love the way they adjusted either. Like, when you yeah. only have four shots in the first, you've seen 20 minutes of the way Philadelphia is defending you, which is pushing you to the outside a lot, not letting you penetrate to the middle, not letting you make those cross-seam passes that you love to do adjust a adjust a bit and i just didn't feel like the adjustments were really there for the oilers last night so i i don't know that was disappointing they turned it on in the third period because the power play gave them momentum and again Connor mcdavid decided to take over the game but that wasn't a win where i'm like i wasn't walking out of the building being like that that's a team that can go win the division i was sitting there kind of going like damn they're lucky they got points because they failed to adjust yeah, it, it was a very strange game. It, it was exactly what it was like when they played Philadelphia the other week, too. The Oilers molded their game to what Philadelphia wanted it to be, and maybe that's just an experiencing on the bench, I suppose you could say, but also mm-hmm. Oilers got to find a way as players as well to go out and do that and generate some offense when you have the attack the Oilers do. It can't be like that on a nightly basis. Like 
it kind of looked like at some points that Philadelphia was the team going to go and win the Stanley Cup just the way they were able to lock everything down. So, yeah, I agree. It's just strange sometimes you know, like they'll play those games where it's like they'll absolutely dominate. And then all of a sudden they play the Philadelphia Flyers or whoever it may be, and they're just trapped in their own zone or just can't generate anything. It's like, okay, you got to figure this out here, boys. All right. Uh, you guys in the chat are just giving all the love in the world to our boy Bobby Stoffer. And I think it's hilarious. I also think it's funny that he does a show right now and you guys are all calling him the man while actively choosing to watch this show. I love it. <laughs> Don't change. Stay here, please. Don't go anywhere. I shouldn't have even brought up that that's a thing. But it's AM radio. Uh, 240 concurrent viewers in the YouTube. What up? Hit the like button if you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube. Our guy Frank Saravalli, is, uh, he's given me the thumbs up. He was on the phone doing insider stuff. So we'll get to Frank here in a second. But first, I got to let you know that his appearance on the show is brought to you by Star Mechanical. They've been one of Edmonton's top new home plumbing installers for the past 20 years. Their crews are highly qualified and they feature over 50 plumbers and gas fitters. You can find out more starmechanical.ca or if you're watching the show right now and I don't know, your toilet's not working, you can call them 24-7 emergency service 780-481-8873 is the number. Our guy, Frank Saravalli, was on the phone while he sat in his little box at the bottom of my screen. He's getting ready to do insider things. Frank, what's going on? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Um, nothing that I can share, nothing big, just making my rounds, making my calls. Uh, I'd love to break some news right now on <laughs> Oilers nation every day, but I just don't have anything quite ready to type at the moment. Um, there's a lot we're going to get to. The chat is going nuts because Eric Carlson's not on the ice in San Jose. It's that kind of time. It's silly season around the NHL. Uh, but first I want to start with you. You were trending all week on Twitter because you got Leafs fans fired up. Uh, are you going to come here today and give us anything that'll piss off Oilers fans? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, look, my commentary on the Ryan O'Reilly trade is what has people fired up. They look at my story, the deadline story that I wrote about O'Reilly, and they say, how come you say here that he's a quintessential deadline piece that can get a team over the hump and then say after the fact that this is an overpay? And I said, well, just scroll further down in the story and you'll see the trade comps that I listed. And 
If you're really looking at Ryan O'Reilly in the game that he's played this year, again, not including his time in Toronto to this point with three goals in five games, he's probably in the second round pick territory plus plus. And they ended up with first, second, third, and fourth, including Nola Chari and some money being retained. But still, my point was it was a hefty price to pay. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like I talked about this on the show on Sunday and Monday saying, you know, a lot of people were calling it the Kyle Dubas masterclass or whatever. And I like the fit. I think O'Reilly is going to help them. But you can't ignore the fact that he gave up pretty much an entire draft's worth of picks to make this thing happen. Uh, O'Reilly, a guy that some people thought maybe the Oilers would have a little bit of interest in. He is now off the board in terms of your trade targets list. Jonathan Taves, another guy who is off the board. Thought he might have been a fit for the Edmonton Oilers. When I look at this list that you still have up at dailyfaceoff.com, there's not a lot of forwards there that I look at and go, ah, oh, that'd be that'd be like a slam dunk perfect fit for Edmonton. Uh, is that fair or is there someone I'm maybe glossing over too much? Uh, that's fair. Um, I would say, look, uh, Timo Meyer would be a great fit. Like, I think he's a great fit on any team. I just don't really see a path forward for the Oilers to bring him in on a deal that then extends him. And so I think the only way you can actually leverage a real trade for Timo Meyer in the summer to recoup some assets is to have the leverage that a team like Carolina would, would they have the cap space to say, hey, uh, we can then uh, sign Timo Meyer to a one-year $10 million qualifying offer and figure it out from there if we don't get a long-term deal done, they'd have that leverage. A team like the, Oil the Oilers wouldn't. Um, I do think that they've spent some time thinking about what Timo Meyer might look like, but probably don't see it necessarily as something that could work. Um, and I do have just a slight bit of news from an Oilers perspective. Uh, I was thinking about it after you asked me. Um, it sounds like Evander Kane is going to miss a little bit of time. Um, oh. You know, we're talking like maybe the potential for two weeks. It's possible that he works his way back before then. But what he's dealing with is a really painful injury um, that could keep him out for, you know, just a little while. So nothing too concerning. Um, but just wanted to add that, that that kind of it doesn't change at all what the Oilers are thinking deadline perspective wise, but at least getting to that point, um, it's at least a consideration. Yeah, so nothing that's going to be able where the Oilers can LTIR them like some teams are doing with pieces like Mark Stone. It's not going to no. change their deadline strategy, um, but Evander Kane potentially out of the lineup here for a couple of weeks. Uh, let's talk about another Kane. I know we've gotten your take on it a few times, but the chat is buzzing. Uh, the Patrick Kane to Edmonton idea. You've been on it for a bit, talking about that as a potential fit as we draw closer to the deadline. More or less likely, really one of the final teams here and do you have any insight on how the Patrick Kane thing like could it even happen is there a chance he stays in Chicago well there is a real chance that he stays in Chicago and I, I would say right now based on the way I'm reading the tea leaves that there's a 60 40 percent chance that he stays in Chicago he just goes back to the Blackhawks and says look I, I'm just not ready to to move um you know we'll play out the contract and see where things go from there you know, 
it's just not the right time. So that's certainly something that could happen. Uh, Patrick Kane has been doing his homework and his due diligence behind the scenes to find out as much as he can about some potential destinations and fits. If he were to go to the Chicago Blackhawks and say that he's ready to be moved, the common belief out there is that he's only going to present one team. Much like Claude Giroux with the Philadelphia Flyers last year, where he said, I'm only willing to go to the Florida Panthers. And so that left the Panthers and the Flyers up to negotiating a trade. I think there's a chance that if Kane gives one team and it doesn't work out or that team isn't interested or they go in another direction, that he could circle back with a second team. But that's sort of the expectation going in. Here's the problem is that there's been no indication given to anyone that Kane is going to provide any teams. So that is like quite literally the very latest on Patrick Kane. All right. Interesting stuff. Um, it'd be, it'd be a fun fit. I just, I guess it's, it's up to Patrick Kane at this point and we'll be sitting and waiting. I want to get your thoughts on another guy who is on your trade targets list. I've been talking about him as a potential fit. He's down at number 25 and that's Matthias Ekholm. A lot of people might look at a defenseman who just signed a four-year deal with his club and go, uh, why would they move him? But is there a chance Nashville really kicks it into sell mode in the next nine days here? And could Ekholm be a guy that the Oilers are interested in? Yes, and we've been talking about Ekholm because Nashville first started to peruse the market on Ekholm back in January. We were the first to report it. And since then, the Preds season has kind of been up and down. They look like they're getting back in the race, then they're out of it. And I think what's clear now is that this team is ready to be a seller or should be a seller based on the season that is unfolded, based on the contracts that they have, the term that they have. And here's the thing with Ekholm, with those three years that are remaining on that deal at six and a quarter million dollars, that contract at a certain point, it's not now, but it's sometime in the somewhat near future is gonna be a lot more difficult to move than it is at this exact juncture. It's kind of the same conversation, although on a different scale and scope than that the St. Louis Blues are beginning to have right at this exact moment in time about Colton Pareko. He's in the first year of an eight-year deal. Edmonton kid that is in a spot where his play has fallen off in recent years, and it's a lot of term for a guy that will turn 37 at the end of his deal um, that, you know, the Blues are looking for cap flexibility. The Preds are looking for cap flexibility. And some of the ways to create that are to move these players that have term that may have value out the door. The problem is, I think there's already a number of defensemen that are on the market that are expensive. And the teams are going to pivot to those guys first that don't have that same commitment. And the real value that exists on the market, I believe the way I'm reading it right now, is at the forward position. Interesting stuff. Interesting. I echo the chat like, Pareko for the chat is uh they keep just talking about Bob Stoffer because Bob called out Oilers management yesterday and is now the biggest what the everyone loves Bob today. That's what the chat's saying. Uh people love the idea of Ekholm though. And I look at that and go, I know some people like Pareko too, but he's that term is so long that there's like a 0% chance St. Louis keeps any of that. So how could the Oilers afford him? With Ekholm, is there at least a chance they would keep some of that money? Because that's how I think he becomes a prime target for the Oilers. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think the other part of it is not just to get him in the door now, 
but also then moving forward, you need to consider the complications and permutations of what that does to the young defenseman that you have, which is what the Oilers have actually been really cognizant of. I think in a vacuum, Matthias Ekholm is a Ken Holland guy every day of the week and twice on Sunday. He is the sort of ideal player that fits what Ken Holland likes in a prototype player. But that, that means changing up your decor. It means sending a piece out to make the money work. And it means boxing someone else out like for the next number of years that they probably just aren't ready and or interested to do. Yeah, that's fair. It's going to be interesting to see how Holland balances all of this because, again, like there is some pressure mounting in this market. And I think if it's a couple of deals that only involve the Oilers' second or third round pick or maybe not even the second round pick, I think this fan base is going to be wildly disappointed, Frank. Is that, do you think that's realistic that we go through the next nine days and me and you sit there at the end of our trade deadline live show on Daily Face Off at two o'clock mountain time? Is it a realistic chance that we sit there and go, boy, the Oilers didn't do much? Is it realistic? Um, yeah, I think it is. I think, you know, Ken Holland has has done and and moved, navigated through deadlines before at his own pace. And I don't see him going wild on an acquisition that isn't really going to put this team over the top. I think they're, let me tell you this. I understand what Bob Stoffer said, and I understand the frustration of Oiler fans. I've talked to so many GMs in the last few days that Ken Holland has already also talked to. He's doing his due diligence and making the calls. He's finding out the price on all of the pieces that you might think the Oilers would be interested in. And then he's sitting back now and evaluating what does all of that mean, cost versus impact. And that's really what they're trying to weigh. They're, they're, they're not going to hesitate to make a big swing. The thing is, do they find the player that they really go through this process and believe is going to come in and do the job that they say for that price? And so I don't think they've gotten there yet is the answer couple more areas I want to touch on with you. Uh, one team, you talked about them today on Daily Faceoff Live. They could potentially be becoming sellers. It's the Washington Capitals. This team, John Carlson's hurt. You talked about how maybe like, he might not play again this year. Every D-man on their active roster playing right now is a pending free agent at the end of the year. And I look at that and go, for an Oilers team that could use some help on the blue line, maybe the Capitals make an interesting kind of trade partner here. A guy like Dmitry Orlov catches my, my eye. A guy like Nick Jensen catches my eye. Do you see either of them as potential fits for the Oilers, or is the price just going to be astronomical, especially for a guy like Orlov? I really like a, a lowercase addition in someone like Nick Jensen. I, I highlighted the Brett Kulak trade today as, as the sort of comparable for what type of price the Caps might get for Jensen. And I think he could have a real significant impact because he has a special ability to withstand the forecheck. He doesn't get rattled and he can efficiently move the puck up to your forwards. The Oilers forwards, the Oilers stars and players made a request to the team. We'd like to get someone that can move the puck. And Jensen can do that in a really efficient way without a lot of fanfare. And he doesn't cost all that much. So I could see a world in which the Oilers go after a forward, you know, whether it's uh, Patrick Kane or someone like that. And if they don't get another forward back in that deal, 
that they maybe target someone like a Jensen to say, we were kind of comfortable with that Kulak price last year, and we saw how much he helped our team in the playoffs to add in another player like Jensen, who then isn't going to be in the way of, of uh, being a roadblock later on as a UFA, that that's the type of rental that makes sense. Interesting. The other name that's causing a lot of chatter in the chat is what the hell's going on with Jacob Chikrin? This guy's been sitting out of the lineup for weeks now. You're starting to hear, or we're starting to hear rumblings that, oh, maybe Boston's getting close to Gavrikov. That could be a thing. Well, that was a team that's interested in Chikrin, and Chikrin was back practicing, but he's not going to be playing. Like the situation seems like it's gotten incredibly messy. Is there a chance the Coyotes actually hold on to this guy through another deadline? Or is this a situation where, Come March 3rd, they'll just have to sit there and GM Bill Armstrong will just have to go, okay, I'm taking the best offer I get. I think they have to. I think this has gone on so long. He was on our trade targets board last year at the deadline. It's like quite literally 15 months we're talking about now. The player wants out. He's had enough. The player has now been sitting out and not able to play. That's, you know, further pushed it, you know, close to the line. And... One of two things is going to happen. Either the Coyotes are going to hold out and they're going to get their price or their price is going to drop. It's as simple as that. I don't think there's going to be any more jockeying after March 3rd. I don't know how you could possibly drag this out into the summer and the draft again because what it's telling you is you've mispriced the market. It's no different than a house that you put up that's worth 600000 and you ask for a million. Well, if it lingers on the market for long enough, it tells you that you, you didn't properly do your homework. And so I think the Coyotes at the end of the day are going to have to adjust. Um, and I think they're swimming up creek without a paddle now. And the reason for that is just based on the conversations that I've had with other teams who have checked in with the Coyotes. And you know, last week they were told, don't bother getting in the mix. And then this time around, they were told, hey, uh, are you still interested in Chikrin? So Whatever they had going either fell apart or the goalposts moved and they're back at square one. Wow. Yeah, that's just like if you sit a guy for almost a month and then don't trade him, like how do you even bring that guy back into your locker room, back into the lineup? I just, this whole situation has gotten so weird and it makes you wonder if if you could give Bill Armstrong, Armstrong some truth serum. I wonder if maybe last summer he would have, should have just taken the best offer he could have gotten then because maybe it would have been better than whatever's out there now in the middle of the season. But it's an interesting It was hard one. to trade him on. last summer because he was out from March 21st, I think, oh, yeah. on and then had those two surgeries in the summer. So I think it had to wait. If they was going to move, it would have been last year's deadline. And I could understand why then that they thought they might drag this out. But you can't, yeah. it just can't linger forever. You got to rip the bandaid off. Fair enough. Fair enough. Frank Cervalli for Star Mechanical. Uh, you're going to be on DFO Live again this week, giving us deadline countdowns and breaking news when you get it. And then next Wednesday, back on this show, right? We're going to get you then? Back next Wednesday, every Wednesday. You know where back. to find me. And then next Friday is our trade deadline show. I'm going to be hosting. Frank's going to be around in a little box in the top of the corner. You'll be watching him break all of his Great news. Cam. We'll be going live for four hours on deadline day for those of you in the mountain time zone it starts at 10 a.m on the daily face off youtube it runs till 2 p.m on the daily face off youtube so make sure you go hit that subscribe button frank nine more days till you can finally get a good sleep in cannot wait we will chat with frank again next week that all brought to you by our friends at star mechanical star mechanical 
StarMechanical.ca, one of Edmonton's top new home plumbing installers for the last 20 years. Liam, going to bring you back. You sat there, you listened, you were taking notes the entire time. What did you make of what Frank said? Um, hmm. I thought it was interesting, the stuff. like It's positive to hear that Ken Holland has been calling around to see the price of everything, if that means he pulls a move or whatever. I guess that's also his job to go and call all the GMs yep. in the league and find out the prices. But it's good to know that they're they're in on these guys, right? And I honestly have no idea what Ken Holland is going to do at the deadline, but at least there's the reassurance of he's, he's around calling, he's in the picture. And I also like the idea of uh, Nick Jensen. I mean, if you can get that guy at the price of Brett Kulak, like, that seems like a pretty yep. good deal. So what would that be like? Second, Nimalainen, and probably a later pick as well, I think, was an equivalent. Tyler Mulek threw that out there of, yeah, Nimalainen in a second. That might be a little bit more than Lagason and mm-hmm. and a second for Kulak. Um, I don't think Jensen's like that much better. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't cost that much. Maybe it's a third in Nimalainen gets you a guy like Jensen. And that's all you have to pay because Nimalainen, I think, is way closer to being a regular NHL defenseman than William Lagason ever was. Um, so maybe yeah. it doesn't even cost you that much. Then you can use your second round pick and something else to go get a forward. I think this blue line would be a guy like Nick Jensen slotted into the right side. It would give you some depth. Again, I know a bunch of you are probably going to hop in. Well, you're not taking out Vinny DeHarnay. And look, I get it. I get it. If you run 7D and you acquire a, whoever you acquire, it's probably pushing Darren out of the lineup. But again, you are not going to be fully healthy for an entire playoff run. You need to go get a depth defenseman that's better than Vinny DeHarnay because him being your eight is a great problem to have. When you suffer an injury in round one, and again, you could suffer an injury tomorrow. We don't know. You need to go make sure you have depth because you don't want to be one injury away from having to play Marcus Niemelainen every day in the playoffs. That just... That can't be happening. You need a little bit more depth. Simple as that. A few of you guys wondering about maybe Lars Eller. I know Parker said, remember when Eller called the Oilers a junior hockey team? Yeah, it would be a little full circle for Lars Eller to come here and help the Oilers with a playoff push. You know, bottom six centerman who wins you some draws. I think his best offensive years are obviously behind him. If I remember correctly, he had a couple of good playoff runs, though. Um, I'm just pulling up his stats right now. He's three and a half million. So again, they probably have to retain some amount of that money. But Lars Eller is a guy who would probably make you a little bit tougher to play against down in the bottom six. That year they won the cup. He had 18 points in 24 games. So he's got some positive playoff experience. He's not a premier ad, but I'd be interested in the cost. Is there anybody outside of Lars Eller? Like, say you got Nick Jensen and you can add another forward to the group and it's not Lars Eller. Who do you think it would be? Do you think maybe a Hathaway or Connor Sherry is somebody you would want to throw in there? Or are you looking more at Johansson? Yeah, I don't think Connor Sherry's that guy. I don't think I like Marcus Johansson. Garnet Hathaway would be intriguing, but Frank said the comparable for him might be what Calgary paid to get Callie Yarncroft last year. And that was like a second, a third, and another pick, I believe, to make money work. Like, I, I don't want to give up a second and a third for Garnet Hathaway. I think you can aim a little bit higher than that. Uh, Sean in Calgary says Adam Henrique. I mean, you'd have to get him to wave. I love the idea. I think that kind of player would be a perfect fit. But again, tough to get teams to retain that kind of money. A bunch of you guys are in there pushing back on me about the Vinny DeHarnay thing. And oh my God. Listen, I, I don't want to knock the guy at all. So I almost don't even want to have this conversation. But 
he can be your number eight in a playoff run and you're not losing a lot. I get the Vinny in, we win thing. That's awesome. He's become a bit of a cult hero here because he's a really hard-nosed defenseman and this market loves those hard-nosed defensemen. I love Vinny DeHarnay in the lineup. You can upgrade on him to go through a playoff run. That's fine. It's okay to say that. I think Vinny DeHarnay has drastically changed the way this team's going to handle their blue line going into the summer. I think they're going to make a move on the right side because they'll want Vinny to be an everyday guy next season. But for a playoff run, you just need more depth. You can't go into this thing with Vinny as your seventh, DeHarnay right behind him. And like, remember that year when they had to go up against Anaheim and everyone got hurt? And there's like Griffin Reinhardt's playing a playoff game for you. You can't let that happen. You need to be scratching good players every game in the playoffs because injuries will occur. Like you have to be ready for that stuff. Lance says Tyler speaking the hard truths. AJ says I'm tripping. I'm not. Brendan says Darren A's been three times better than CeCe. I think there's a little bit of the shiny new toy effect going on here with DeHarnay. I love him. I've been wildly impressed with the start to his NHL career. I get that he probably does make this team better because the 11 and seven approach. I think Nick Jensen could make the Oilers even better than that. Imagine that. Crazy stuff, Tyler. I can't believe you're saying this to our chat right now about Vincent DeHarnay, our seventh defenseman. But I also completely agree. I, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I get it. Like you said, DeHarnay is great. It would be very silly of the Oilers to think that he is the answer for what the blue line needs. There is nothing wrong with going out and making improvements on your roster. I think going into the season, we all said, oh, you could probably use another defenseman. And now the opportunity has come and now no one wants to let go of Vincent DeHane. Yeah. Good teams get deeper and get better. I think the Oilers will be looking in that area to get better. And Vincent DeHane will be around the team, I think, the entire season now because he has 100% earned a spot on this roster. I Yes. Like, so, yeah, I'm with you on everything you said, Tyler. I think that overall this team just needs to get deeper and go on a playoff run with a good roster because you can't run into that situation where you have Griffin Reinhardt or Mark Fain on uh, practice, practicing in the warm-ups to see who's going to get in the lineup. Like, you don't want to be in that situation again. Yeah. Uh, Parker says, I wonder what the package was for Lafferty that Holland turned down. I think just based on what we've heard, it's, it was probably like a second round pick plus, And that's probably a lot. Um, I know. Yeah. Okay. The proof's in the pudding. Vinny was out of the lineup. They lost. Good Lord. They lost because Jack Campbell couldn't make a save people. They lost because they couldn't find a way to come through an overtime or a shootout. They didn't lose those games because Vinny DeHarnay wasn't in the lineup. Let's be real. They were choking away three goal leads. If Vinny Dayarn, like, if you if if you really believe Vincent Dayarn was the difference between them winning and losing games, then the guy should be winning the Hart Trophy. Like, come on, what are we doing here? He's a really good D. He's a really good depth defenseman. I get it. You need more depth on your blue line. Maybe Dayarn doesn't come out. Maybe Broberg comes out for a game. Maybe Dayarn sits one. Broberg sits one. Whatever you need to do. But like. Come on, let's just try to be realistic here. We all love Vinny Darnay. I love Vinny Darnay. But that you don't sit there and not go get a depth defenseman at the deadline because you like Vinny. Come on. Oh, uh, I shouldn't even be getting fired day. up about it because I love the guy. I feel like I'm ragging on him now and I don't want to be because he's such a great story and I love him and I think he's really, really good. And I think they're trading a right shot D-man in the summer and it's going to be because they want Vinny Darnay to slide in. 
whatever. <laughs> whatever. I, I have nothing else to add because this is know, just such a funny I. argument to have. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you on everything. Interesting that Evander Kane's going to miss a couple of weeks here. We've heard some rumors that yeah. it might be like a rib issue. Frank said it's a painful issue. Um, yeah, I, it's <laughs> that's a loss. With him and yeah. Costin out of the lineup, they miss some bite up front. I would argue they probably, you know, maybe they win those games if Costin and Kane are in the lineup because they get one more goal, you know? Yeah, I think the they're a big part of the identity that this team needs. And maybe maybe that's how the, the trade deadline plans change a little bit. Maybe you just grab a little bit more grit. If those guys fall out, then your entire lineup has some identity still. So we'll see. We'll see. Yep. Uh, let's get to our Betway bets for uh, tonight. Liam, I missed yesterday because I thought the Oilers were going to shoot the puck a lot and they did not. Tonight, I like the Dallas and uh, the Dallas game against Chicago simply because I think Dallas is going to score a ton. So I'm going to bet. I got Jason Robertson, multi-point game, Joe Pavelski to get an assist. Those are my two. But what do you like tonight? I'm going with the Yotes, Tyler. The Arizona Coyotes against the Calgary Flames. The Yotes have won four games in a row at home. The last time they lost a home game was January 24th against the Anaheim Ducks. So I'm just going to go with a hot hand here. Plus 190. I've actually hit this one, I think, twice already this season. So Yotes at home. And also Patrick Kane, plus 124 to grab an assist. There's not a lot of value of him to score a goal. But he has 28 assists this season compared to his 14 goals. So Plus 125, he hasn't been back-to-back games. He's been on a bit of a heater in the last couple there. So I like both these underdog plays. Decent. Home dogs, Arizona Coyotes, Mm -hmm. the most profitable home team in the Western Conference this year. They love winning at home when they're big-time dogs. So shout-out to the Oats. Shout-out to that 5,000-seat arena that they can now barely fill. Uh, You guys were, and by you guys, I mean the people in the chat, were writing Eric Carlson fan fiction that I kept seeing. So I had to look (laughs) up. Up how much of it was true he wasn't at practice today he in the sharks facility though he's there he's just not on the ice skating um whatever you guys are having fun at that in the chat um we got up to we got just north of 400 viewers at one point yeah which is a new record for the show so uh shout out to everyone who tuned in and watched this bad boy frank servali chipped in some good insider info be interesting. He kind of threw a bit of cold water on the Ekholm thing because you know he said they won't retain money, or you'd have to keep, you'd have to pay a lot to get him to do that. So that dream might be dead. I don't know how you could get six point two five million dollars out the door in a potential Ekholm deal unless you are throwing Barry in that trade. And I don't think you can't trade Barry. Like he scored last night. He's having an unbelievable year. He's an important part of this team. Barry's getting to the point where he's untouchable in a lot of these deals. So. How do you get 6.25 out the door in a potential Ekholm deal? Pooley RV and what, CeCe? I don't know if Nashville wants Cody yeah. CeCe. I can't imagine they would. And again, that would require losing a piece off the roster, which I don't think they should do either. So the more I think about it, the more I'm like, damn, maybe it's not that realistic of an expectation, which sucks because I think on paper, he's a perfect fit. Maybe the Janot dream is still alive, though. You don't have to move a lot of money to get that one. So maybe, maybe there's something there with yeah. him. Scott Aroni says, if we were healthy, trades would have already been made. I don't think that's what's holding it up. Like Frank said, like Holland's making calls. He's going around the league. He's getting his value and things like that. Learning how much everything's going to cost. He'll strike at some point. He's just going to wait until closer to the deadline. Casey says, untouchable berries. Yeah, I mean, early in the year, I would have moved him for not a lot. And now I'm sitting here going, man, if you did decide to trade that guy this summer, like, 
you might get a first round pick for Tyson Berry in the offseason yeah. for a team that would like really need a puck moving D man. Why not? I I think so. I mean, look at some of the names that are getting first round picks now. Like, why wouldn't Tyson Berry get one? You know, he's the power play specialist. I get it. He's not elite at five on five, but points still count on the power play the same if they do five on five. So as long as he's producing, then why wouldn't you be able to get something decent back for him, right? You don't win that game yesterday if your power play is not good. And listen, yep. there have been a lot of games this year where we've sat and gone, damn, if your power play would have gotten an opportunity, maybe you win. I don't think there's actually any problem with your power play winning you games every once in a while. You can't rely on it all the time like we've seen throughout the season. But for last night, full marks to the Oilers superstars for coming out and being like, hey, we're going to win this hockey game for you guys. And they did exactly that. They'll probably need a little bit more of that tomorrow afternoon in Pittsburgh. Hopefully mm -hmm. they don't need to rely on their stars as much to beat a team as bad as the Columbus Blue Jackets. But tomorrow's an interesting opportunity. We'll have a full short for giant pregame show with Jay tomorrow. We'll chat more trade talk. Um, yeah, I, if you win tomorrow, you got a chance to flip it around and maybe have a nice little three, four game winning streak put together here by this time next week. So it, it's a really nice, it's a nice spot. It's a good win yesterday. I'm not fully pleased with it, but dubs are dubs. Liam can't complain. Yep, just come away with the two points and uh, we'll have a happy show the next day. Yeah, almost a thousand people tuned in on YouTube today throughout the course of the show. Shout out to all the regulars. Um, I think you guys are starting to make a Discord as well. Sergeant Battle just said he's got some <laughs> stuff going on there. So there you go. All the regulars, all the diehards, you guys who watch the show every day, can't say how much I appreciate you. You are active in the chat. Hit the like button before you go as well. Today's show was a lot of fun and we're going to do it again tomorrow at noon mountain time, all from the Sports Closet Studio. We'll chat with you then. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.